Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Dr. Justin Hillhouse continues our series, Knowledge is Power, Five Doctrines Every Man Should Know. We will start off in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 as we look over the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. All right, y'all give it up for Sloan's. Come on now. Sloan's coming up. So if you have your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians 13, we'll start there in verse 14, and that's kind of is where we'll operate out of. Uh, if you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you're here. Uh, you've kind of been coming sporadically. You'll just know that we are currently going through a series called Knowledge is Power, Five Doctrines Every Man Should Know. And so a couple weeks ago, John Mark kicked things off by just talking about God the Father, and then he kind of introduced the, uh, the, the Trinity to us. And so as we've kind of been going through this, we've been uh, talk, we've talked about God the Father, we've talked about God the Son, and today we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And these doctrines that we are talking about are important to us because these are the very core of what we believe as Christians and followers of Jesus Christ. And doctrine, that's just a real fancy name to basically explain that uh, doctrine is a biblical explanation of theological truths. That's what doctrine is, a biblical explanation of theological truths. And so as we've been going through this, we've talked about God the Father. We've talked about God the Son last week. We talked about Jesus Christ. And so this week, we're going to talk about that third part of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is probably one of the most misunderstood persons of the Trinity. As a matter of fact, let me give you this story. When I went through my ordination, sir, uh, when I went through my ordination uh, in order to be uh, ordained for ministry, uh, it was over at Prestonwood, and there was this panel of five guys that I walked in, never met. I sat down. They started asking me questions about what I believed, why I believed what I believed, started asking me all these things about, hey, what do you know about uh, uh, this? What do you know about end times? What do you know about Jesus Christ? What do you know about the Old Testament? What do you know about the New Testament? Ask me all these questions. And they came to this question. They said, tell us and explain to us who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And I just kind of sat there for a minute, and that was the one question I could not uh, answer very well. And so afterwards, it was it was very interesting because that afterwards, you know, they kind of had their little confab. They drug me back in there and they said, hey, listen, we still want to ordain you, but before we ordain you, we want you to go back and we want you to write us a five-page paper on what the role of the Holy Spirit is. And so for me, when it comes to ordaining another minister, the one question I always ask, the one question is I say, what is the role and function of the Holy Spirit? And it's quite funny because it is something that we talk about, but someone we don't really know a whole lot about. And so uh, today it is going to be scripture dense. We are going to go through a ton 
of Scripture today. So when I emailed Frazier these verses, I said, hey, man, uh, you're going to enjoy just reading the Bible today because we are going to cover a lot of Scripture concerning the Holy Spirit. But when we talk about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, let's look in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. It says, says this, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What you see here in this verse is that you see all three persons of the Trinity together. Okay? You see God the Father, you see God the Son, and then you see God the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was with his disciples during those last few moments, he said, hey, listen, there's going to be a point in time, and it's going to be soon when I'm going to leave. And when I leave, okay, I'm going to send a helper to be with you. I'm going to send a helper to empower you. And that's when Pentecost happens. And when the Holy Spirit comes down and those tongues of fire appear over their head and they begin to walk out and they are emboldened and they are empowered to go out and to preach and to teach the gospel. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit and his role. And so there are three kind of aspects we want to talk about when it comes to the Holy Spirit. And the first is this, is that the Holy Spirit is fully God. The Holy Spirit is fully God. A very common misconception of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a part of God. Rather, the Holy Spirit is not a part of God. The Holy Spirit is God. This comes from a systematic theology book, so please know that I did not, uh, I did not write this, but let me quote uh, from Grudem, and he says this, Once we understand God the Father and God the Son to be fully God, then the Trinitarian uh, expressions in verses like Matthew 28, 19, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, assume significance for the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, because they show that the Holy Spirit is classified on an equal level with God the Father and God the Son. And so we see all throughout Scripture that the Holy Spirit is equal to God the Father and God the Son. You see there in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6, there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but all of them and in everyone, it is the same, what does it say? The same God at work. So the Spirit and God and, and Jesus, they are all the same. They are on the same level. If you look in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2, it says, who has been seen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctification work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ. Look, you see all three of, uh, of, of the persons of God there together. Okay, And we see that in Scripture, Jude 1, 20 through 21. I'm not going to read that, but you can write that one down to go back and to check out. Okay, So we see that there are three persons all equal together. Okay, One God, okay, one God, three different persons. And so we see uh, the Holy Spirit is fully God, and we see that the Holy Spirit, okay, 
is seen in the Old Testament. A lot of people think that the Holy Spirit just kind of shows up only in the New Testament. But the Holy Spirit shows up in the Old Testament. And please understand this, okay? God does not change. God has not changed in all of eternity. And so in the New Testament, we have the same God as we do in the Old Testament. People say, well, the Old Testament God, he was a God of judgment. Hey, guess what? The New Testament God, still a God of judgment, y'all. The Old Testament God, still full of mercy and grace. New Testament God, still full of mercy and grace. The same God that is in the New Testament is the same God that is in the Old Testament. God does not change. And neither does the Holy Spirit. Okay? Neither does the Holy Spirit. It says this, uh, we see in, in the Old Testament, in Micah chapter 3, verse 8, But as for me, I am filled with power, with the Spirit of the Lord, and with justice and might to declare to Jacob his transgressions, to Israel his sin. I want you to look at the first part there. But as for me, I am filled with power with the Spirit of the Lord. New Testament, just think about it. What happened at Pentecost? The disciples, they were filled with power. <laughs> when, when miracles happened, they were filled with power. And so we're going to talk about this just a little bit more. So we're not going to focus solely on the Old Testament. But I just want to simply point out at this point in time, the same God that is in the New Testament is the same God that is in the Old Testament. The same spirit that is in the New Testament is the same spirit that is in the Old Testament. So when we read scripture all day today or all morning this morning, I want you to know and understand that we're reading both from the Old Testament and the New Testament. Testament, because we see the Holy Spirit all throughout Scripture. We also see this, is that there are divine attributes that are attributed to the Holy Spirit, just as they are attributed to God the Father and God the Son. Okay, So the same attributes that are applied to God the Father and God the Son, Jesus Christ, are the same attributes that are applied to to the Holy Spirit. Let me just give you two examples. First of all, there's the omnipresence or he is present everywhere. Um, Psalm 139, seven through eight. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Where can I go? What does it say? From the Spirit, from your Spirit. Then we also see the omniscience of the Holy Spirit, the all-knowing uh,ness of him. First Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. These are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So we see all of these things in the Holy Spirit and we see that the Holy Spirit is fully God, just like God the Father, God the Son, and now we have God, Holy Spirit. And so the question becomes, if the Holy Spirit is fully God, okay, 
and has the same attributes of God, then what are the specific functions of the Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? And so, let me just ask you this question. What does the Holy Spirit do, or what do you think He does? In your best understanding. Go ahead. This is not a rhetorical question. Yeah. Okay, acts like a conscious. Comforter. Comforter. Okay. Helper. Helper. Say that again. Remind us. Remind us. Yeah, what else? Anybody? Power. Okay. He's a testifier. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's kind of go through this and talk about the different functions of the Holy Spirit. And here's where things really get fascinating. First of all, the Holy Spirit sustains and manifests God's immediate presence in His creation. Let me repeat that. The Holy Spirit sustains and manifests God's immediate presence in His creation. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, it says this, The earth was formless and void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry host by the breath of His mouth. That word breath right there is actually translated spirit by the Spirit of His mouth. And so we see that the Holy Spirit is a part of creation and um, manifests uh, God's immediate presence in His creation. But we also see that the Holy Spirit has redemptive functions as well. Okay, God the Father had a plan for redemption. He sent His Son to redeem the world. Okay, And now the Holy Spirit has been sent by the Father to apply redemption to us in John chapter 14, verse 26. But the Advocate, here it is, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Okay? And this is Jesus talking in the upper room discourse. If you remember just a few minutes ago, I said, hey, Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, listen, I'm going to leave and I'm going to send a helper. This is Jesus telling them, hey, I'm sending the helper. When I go, the Holy Spirit, he is coming. And look at what it says. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said. Have you ever been talking to somebody about spiritual things and all of a sudden you pop off and you say something and you're like, man, that was pretty smart and spiritual and biblical. And oh my gosh, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. It came from the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit came up and said, hey, listen, now's the time when I bring the punch. You know what I mean? Y'all with me? That's the Holy Spirit, man. He shows up and stuff happens. John 16, 7. This is still part of the upper room discourse. Jesus is talking. He says, but truly I tell you, for it is good for you that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Remember earlier we talked about how uh, the Holy Spirit is omnipresent. It's, it's everywhere. Okay. If Jesus was to remain here on earth right now, okay, 
then he is limited to just being right here. But see, Jesus said, it is better for me to go away and send the Holy Spirit, to send my advocate to go and to be with you and to help you. John 14, uh, 15, 20, 26, this is still part of, uh, um, part of Jesus's upper room discourse. It says this, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from God the Father. Do you see right there? All of a sudden we see the Trinity right there. We see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is talking about God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Whom I send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father. He will testify about me. He will testify about me. So when you look at the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has specific functions, okay? The Holy Spirit, He manifests and maintains uh, the presence of God in His creation. The Holy Spirit has uh, redemptive functions. And so now this leads us to kind of our third thought, and that's this, is that the Holy Spirit has distinctive activities. And guys, I'm just kind of hitting the very tippity top of... uh, Uh, this doctrine of the Holy Spirit. But this is where like a bulk of of what we know and understand of the Holy Spirit and who He is and what He does is by His distinctive activities. So we've established that the Holy Spirit is fully God. We've established that there are certain roles that the Holy Spirit has. And so now let's just talk real briefly about the activities of, that are distinctive to the Holy Spirit. And there are four major activities that are distinctive to the role of the Holy Spirit. And so let's just go through these. First of all, a distinctive activity of the Holy Spirit is this, is that the Holy Spirit empowers. The Holy Spirit empowers. The Holy Spirit gives life. It is the Holy Spirit that gives life. Psalm 104.30, when you send your spirit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. I'm just going to hit one verse because there are plenty of verses that talk about this, but I just kind of want to hit one verse as an example through this. All right. So the Holy Spirit, it empowers the Holy Spirit gives life. Conversely, when the Holy Spirit is withdrawn, there is Death, Job 34, 14 through 15. If it were his intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all humanity would perish together and mankind would return to dust. That's a powerful verse. What in the world is keeping us going right now? It is the Holy Spirit. You say, is the Holy Spirit active? The answer is, is yes. Is He active right now? The answer is yes. And you say, how do you know that? We're all still breathing. Y'all with me on that? We are all still breathing because the Holy Spirit is active. He is moving. And if God withdraws His Spirit from this place, from this earth, death. Death for all of us. And you can find this in other verses as well. From a spiritual perspective, we see that also 
not only from a physical perspective, but we also see from a spiritual perspective, the same thing happens as well. Jesus told Nicodemus that flesh is born of flesh and that the spirit is born of spirit. And he talks about this in John chapter 6, verses uh, verse 63. It is the spirit that gives life. It is not just the spirit that gives physical life. It is also the spirit that gives spiritual life. But the Holy Spirit also empowers for service. And he empowers us for service. And we see this. In the Old Testament, remember what I said, the Holy Spirit is not only active in the New Testament and active today, but He was also active in the Old Testament. We see that He empowered Joshua with leadership skills and wisdom. In Numbers 27, 18, and this is from the NASB version, it says this, So the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom... Is the spirit and lay your hand on him. Deuteronomy 34, 9. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was filled with the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. So the Israelites listened to him and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. We see also in the Old Testament that the spirit of the Lord came upon dudes like Gideon. You have Judges 6, 34. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he blew the trumpet, summoning these dudes uh, to follow him. Look at that. When the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon. So we see the Holy Spirit there in the Old Testament. Look at this. Samson is a great example. A lot of people know who this guy is. In Judges 13, 25, And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he uh, was in Mahana, Dan, between Zorah and Estabal. So we see that the Holy Spirit is moving and is active in the Old Testament. We don't have time to go through this, but we also see the Holy Spirit protect. We see the Holy Spirit protect. You can see that in Isaiah 63, uh, 11 through 12 as well as we see the Holy Spirit work within people in the Old Testament. We can see this in Numbers chapter 27, verse 18, and Daniel 4, 8, and 9. So we see the Holy Spirit there in the Old Testament. For us here in the New Testament, and as New Testament believers, we understand the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, just like the Holy Spirit empowered those in the Old Testament, so the Holy Spirit empowers each one of us today as followers of Jesus Christ. We see this from the disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus, before he arises, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I like that. You will receive power. Gentlemen, the same power that the disciples had 2,000 years ago from the Holy Spirit is the same power that we have today. It's the same power. You know why? Because it's the same God. It's the same Spirit. 
The same spirit that was working 2,000 years ago is the same spirit that's working today and is working in you and through you to impact everyone you run into. Those that are in your sphere of influence. Not only does the Holy Spirit empower the disciples and individuals, but the Holy Spirit empowers Christians for service. You can see this in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, and I'm not going to read that. But the Holy Spirit also empowers prayer. You know that? The Holy Spirit empowers prayer. Romans 8, 26, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever gone before God and said, Lord, I ain't got the words. You ever, you ever done that? Lord, you know I'm frustrated, but I, I can't explain it. Lord, you know I'm tired or I'm fearful, but I can't explain it. God, there is something going on in my heart, in my life, in my family, whatever's going on. I can't explain it. I, I don't have the words. You ever get that look from your wife? where she doesn't have to say anything, but you did something and she just, or you say something and they just look at you and you go, I get it. Like she doesn't have to say where, how many of you are with me on that? Come on, be honest. All right. Sloan, you're not married yet, but you'll understand this one day. Anyway. The, soon, hopefully. Here's what you need to understand is there's that look, right? And that look, they just kind of look over at you and you go, oops, uh, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have, you know, whatever. The Holy Spirit kind of does the same thing for, for, for us. We look up at God and we say, I don't have the words. I can't explain it. I don't, there's something going on in here. And you know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit takes our emotions, takes our thoughts, takes the situation, and he translates that, and he takes it up to God and goes, okay, let me explain it. <laughs> God, here, here is what your follower is going through, and here is what he is trying to say. And the Holy Spirit goes up on our behalf, advocates for us. I love that. That's so great. Man, God, I ain't, I, I ain't got the words. And the Holy Spirit says, I do. Let me take, it, let me take over for you. It, guys, I don't know about you, but boy, there's a lot of confidence in going before God then, isn't it? When you say, God, I don't have the words. I don't exactly know what to say. Boy, it's so good to know that there is somebody right there with us that will say, I got it for you. Let me take over. I can do it. And God will get it. He will understand. He will know. The Holy Spirit empowers Christians to overcome spiritual oppositions. Matthew 12, verse 28. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Notice, when Jesus went out and he performed miracles, 
Those miracles were done by the Holy Spirit. Catch that? Look at what it says. But if I, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Ephesians 6, 17 through 19, and we could talk a lot about that and how the role of the Spirit functions uh, through that. But let's keep on going. Ephesians 6, 17 through 19. We see the the sword of the Spirit. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of God's people. If you notice, the Spirit, it is the sword. It says, what does it say? It says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Oh, man. The Spirit is offensive. You like that? The Spirit is offensive. It's not just defensive. If you notice, as we go through these, you'll begin to see how deep the Holy Spirit is. As we go through this, I hope you realize how deep Jesus Christ is. As we go through this, I hope you understand how deep God is and how we will never in all of eternity be able to fully understand and fully comprehend the God that we serve. That's how awesome our God is. That we can't understand Him completely and fully. And it will take an eternity for us to completely and fully understand Him. And there's no way we'll be able to do that. That is how awesome our God is. Okay, let's keep on going. The Holy Spirit purifies. The Holy Spirit in John chapter 16, verse 8 through 11, we see that it is the Spirit that convicts us of sin. When He comes, He, meaning the Holy Spirit, will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. This is part of that upper room discourse. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified. But in John 16, 8 through 11, what does he says? But when he comes, the Holy Spirit will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Boy, that's a good line right there. What is the role of the Holy Spirit to prove what is right is right and what is wrong is wrong? You ever hear something or see something on the news and go, man, that ain't right. That's wrong. That's the Holy Spirit kicking in. That's the Holy Spirit pointing out and saying, this is not of God. This is of something else. And I tell you what, there's only one of two options. If it is not of God, then it is of Satan himself. It's either one of the two, gentlemen. If it's not of God, then it is of Satan. And so it is the Holy Spirit that convicts of sin. We also see that is through our salvation comes through the Holy Spirit, or rather sanctification comes through the Holy Spirit. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13, But we ought to always uh, to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of 
the Spirit and through belief in truth. 1 Peter 1 uh, verse 2, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Man, it is the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us, that cleanses us, that continues to keep us clean. The Holy Spirit reveals. The Holy Spirit makes Himself known in various ways. Romans chapter 8, verse 16, the Holy Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Golly, don't you love that? The Holy Spirit testifies that we are are God's children. Man. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, because we are His sons, God sent His the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out Abba, Father. Man, the Holy Spirit tells us, hey, listen, <laughs> we are His and it reminds us of that. The Holy Spirit finally unifies. The Holy Spirit unifies. And guys, I'm just hitting the tip of the iceberg here, and I know I'm covering a lot of verses. But I think this one right here as we close out is uh, probably one of the most important ones for us as brothers in Jesus. Amen? Is that the Holy Spirit unifies. If you remember a few weeks ago, we talked uh, just a little bit about how uh, united a house stands and then divided it falls. And we see here that the role of the Holy Spirit, one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to bring unity to us all. In Joel chapter 2, verse 28 through 32, uh, and afterwards I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. One of the things that we realize and, and need to understand is that in the Old Testament, the role of the Holy Spirit did not change, but it was, it was limited. It was limited, okay? It still did the same things, but it was limited. In the New Testament, what? Where we live, the Holy Spirit has been poured out all over the earth. And so as it is poured out on all people, it unifies us. It is not just for those in Israel. It is for all men and women. And here's what I love. That means that when we meet another Christian, another follower of Christ, our spirits will understand each other. Let me give you an example of that. Uh, several months ago, there were some folks that came and they wanted to be baptized. The kicker is, is that they came from Iran. They were actually saved in Iran in an oppressive area towards Christianity. And so they came in and they said, hey, listen, we, we want to be baptized because we could not do that over in Iran. And uh, we said, okay, said, uh, let, let's sit down and talk about that. Because as they, as they talked about it, it was kind of a little difficult to understand kind of where they came from and how they came, became followers of Jesus. 
And this was so great because I'm sitting there with, a, with another minister and we're, we're sitting there, we're talking to him. And I said, kind of explain to me, how in the world did you, and I used Christianese, you know what I mean? I talked Christian lingo like, hey, how did you get saved? And tell me about your salvation experience. And they kind of looked at me like I had three eyeballs. And then they made this statement. They said, there was a point in time where we said Islam is wrong and Jesus is the only way and we just chose to follow Jesus. Yeah, I know, right? All of you in here are like, okay, well, that makes sense, right? Well, guys, that's the Holy Spirit because sometimes we get so bogged down in it. Well, give me the exact date you were saved. You know, well, I prayed to receive Jesus on April, you know, 10th at 10:45. That's when I accepted. We get so caught up in that. What did they do? There was a point in time in life where they said, "You know what? Islam is wrong. Jesus is right. We're following him." And I was so intrigued by their answer. I said, "So why do you want to be baptized?" And they said this, "Well, that's what Jesus told us to do." <laughs> Well, where did you hear about that? Well, it was mentioned in a sermon and we looked it up in Scripture and we just figured if we're followers of Christ, that's what we got to do. What? Guys, just let me say, the Spirit, even though they didn't have all the quote-unquote answers we were looking for, those were the right biblical answers, weren't they? And the Spirit said, Amen. Why are you still interrogating me? <laughs> right? That's what the Holy Spirit was telling me. Justin, will you just be quiet and let them follow me? It was, it was amazing. It unifies us. When there's somebody else that says, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of God, there should be some sort of automatic draw to them. And at least some sort of recognition of, hey, my spirit recognizes your spirit. Because you know what? It's the same spirit. Acts chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. For the young men will see visions. The old women will uh, old men will dream dreams. Here we see in the Old Testament, right? Hey, listen, there's going to be a unification. In the New Testament, there is going to be a unification that we will begin to recognize and to see what God is doing amongst His people. We will be able to affirm and to testify, yes, that is the Spirit. Yes, that is God working and moving. You hear all the time here for the past several months. Have you heard this statement? Man, God's doing something here in this church, right? Have y'all heard that? Have y'all heard this statement? Man, God's doing something in our nation, right? Even though our nation is going completely off the rails, you know that deal over there in Asbury's? In Asbury? Yeah? Yeah. Does, does anyone's spirit go, yeah, I see that? I see what God is doing. There is, I, I, can, I understand it. I get it. That's the Holy Spirit that unifies us. That's the Holy Spirit that affirms 
the work that God is doing when people look at God when, and we look around and we say, man, God is doing something here. Why is God doing something here? I, mean, I don't know, but I'm so glad he chose to use us. And I pray that he continues to use us. And I tell you this, God wants to use you wherever it is you're at. And so men, if God is choosing to use this church, guess what? This church is not a building. This church is you. That means that God is using you, men. You get it? When we say God is using this church, it means God is using men like you. So guys, if, if you don't think that God is using you, or you want to be used by God, then step up to the plate. Say, God, use me. I'm ready. God, use me. I'm ready. Okay. And then we see that there is the fellowship of, of the Spirit. So the, the Spirit unifies us. But then there's also fellowship in the Spirit. And I close with this. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and in mind. I tell you what, one of the things I enjoy, and I was actually thinking about this on the way up here this morning, was it is so much fun just to come up here to church and hang out with with, with you guys. It's just fun to come to church. I love coming to church. And yeah, are the Bible studies great? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm talking about one right now, but do I think the Bible studies are great? Sure. Is the preaching great? Sure. But aside from all that, you know what the best part is? Is having fellowship with each other. Is being able to hang out and talk with like-minded men about what's going on in this world, about what's going on in my family, about what's going on. Let me give you a personal story. My son, and I'm going to close out with this story. The spirit that unifies us. My son, on Friday night, uh, we had our deal in here, right? Y'all with me on this? We had our deal. We had our Good Friday service, right? That's what we called it, right? A Good Friday service. We had our Good Friday service on Friday night. My son, afterwards, we're on the way home, and I asked my son, I said, well, what did you think of the service? And my son said this, boring. <laughs> what? Boring. That really cut to the depths of my heart, right? That cut to the depths of and uh, that hurt me because I was one of the speakers. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and boy, I, and I'll tell you this, uh, last week was a very rough week for me personally. It, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back, right? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to kill him tomorrow morning. I'm too tired now. So I slept on it. Last week was a really rough week. And, um, you know, and so finally I get up that morning. We actually go to service uh, that night. Didn't say a word to him. And then it was Saturday night. I called him into my room after I had gotten home. And, I, you know, I was in my lazy boy. And I said, sit right up there on the bed, son. And so he sat up there on the bed. And I was in my lazy boy. And I explained to him. I said, hey, listen. 
I said, yesterday you said that church was boring. I said, after a lot of thought, here is my conclusion. Church is not here to entertain you. If you are looking to be entertained, go to a concert. If you want any of the pastors to entertain you, then let me just tell you that we are not going to do it. If we wanted to entertain, we would be comedians or we would be some sort of performers. If we wanted to entertain you, then the worship, then the music would have a lot more fireworks and they would change costumes like 20 times in 15 minutes. And they would have dancers up there. They'd have backup dancers up there, right? They're on their way. They're on their way. <laughs> and that ain't right. And, here, and then I really laid into them. I said, let me tell you what church is about. Because I said, I said, why did we go to church? And he goes, oh, to learn about God. And I was like, wrong. We don't go there just to learn about God. We go there for the purpose of drawing closer to God. We go there for the purpose of fellowship and hanging out with believers and encouraging one another and serving. Son, if you are showing up to service to be entertained, then your heartbeat is completely wrong. It is not about being entertained. It is about drawing closer to our Savior. That's what church is about. That's why we go. That's why we have Bible studies. Because I tell you what, men would not get up at 6 a.m. and come here to hear about the Holy Spirit unless they want to be drawn closer to God. Because guys, I hate to tell you, but I'm not that entertaining, but neither is John Mark. All right? I hope you heard that, John Mark. We're not that entertaining. But let me tell you what. The goal for us here today is to draw closer to God. That's our goal. That's your goal. That's why you're here today. You're here to draw closer to God and to draw closer to each other. And it is the Holy Spirit that draws us closer to God. It is the Holy Spirit that draws us closer to each other. And so if you're struggling or if you're fighting about getting to church and if you're fighting about getting to know other dudes here in this room, let me tell you what, stop fighting the Spirit. Stop fighting. Let the Holy Spirit work. Let the Holy Spirit move. Stop. Get out of your own way and just let God do what He wants to do in your heart and in your life. Say, Holy Spirit, just use me and help me to be unified to my fellow brothers. I always love saying this. Guys, if you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we're going to spend an eternity with each other. So I would recommend we go ahead and start getting to know each other now. Y'all with me on that? Allow the Spirit to unify us. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time. We come here, open up your word and learn. God, I ask and I pray that each man here would, uh, would passionately seek after you. Father, that you would take your word 
Not my words, Father, but your word, and that you would change our hearts, change our minds, change our lives. Father, please uh, please impact each man here today, God, and please allow us to depend on your spirit for his power, for his unity. God, for his moanings and his groanings on our behalf. Father, please use each man here to be salt and light in their world of influence. Father, we love you and we thank you for this day. And be with us as we go our separate directions and bring us back safely next time we meet. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, y'all have a great day. Thanks, bye. Thanks for listening to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.